and thank you for joining me again for episode four of the season two of the Life After Love Gone Wrong podcast. Again, my name is Sandra Fava. I'm an attorney and partner at Fox Rothschild here in the New Jersey office of Morristown, where I solely and have historically only practiced family law. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast, you've heard me say before, this season was inspired by Adele's 30 album. As some of you may know, Adele having gone through her own divorce and breakup of her marriage, wrote a really inspiring album about those experiences. And um, today's episode is based on the I Drink Wine track off of that album. Specifically, we're going to talk today about the case information statement and why it is so important. And just as a tidbit, um, I often joke with clients that when they're getting ready to work on their case information statement, because it can be an overwhelming undertaking, um, that maybe they should pour themselves a glass of wine or something of their choice so that they're um, ready and steeled for the process. Um, hence why I chose this track for this episode. So the case information statement is, in my opinion, and I think many other practitioners' opinion, and certainly I think the court's opinion, the most important document that will be used in any divorce action. And it is used not only in the traditional litigation, of divorce, um, where people are in court and asking a judge to make decisions with regards to their assets, liabilities, and support issues. But it is also used to help attorneys reach settlement on issues. It's also used by mediators and arbitrators to have a landscape of the financial issues and make recommendations based on those issues. So it's a really important document, no matter which way your divorce is proceeding. It's also super important because it is a certified statement made by the parties to the divorce, meaning that it is sworn under penalty of perjury so that if there is somebody who is dishonest on that document, they could potentially face ramifications, fines, or other penalties that are um, allowed by a judge in the process. So hiding of assets, failing to disclose assets, changing the name or the title or the way an asset is held um, and not disclosing that on a case information statement is equally frowned upon as you know lying about what's in the document. The document is approximately 10 pages long. And what it does is that it allows individuals to set forth their income in several different ways, and that helps for verification of the numbers represented on the document. It also has two or three pages of what are called expenses. They are broken down into three schedules. Schedule A being shelter expenses, Schedule B being your transportation expenses, and then Schedule C known as your personal expenses. Within those schedules are two columns. One is the joint marital lifestyle column, and one is the current column. Now, if you are still residing together as a family union, but moving forward through a divorce proceeding, oftentimes most of the numbers in each of those columns, the joint marital and the current lifestyle, will be the same. 
There may be some deviation on certain expenses, but by and large, they may remain the same. If you are going through the process and you have separated a residence, meaning one spouse has relocated, then there would be two separate columns and two different numbers purportedly in each column. If you have been separated for a long time, there should be two separate columns and that becomes a bit more nuanced and requires a deeper conversation with your counsel about how the best way to approach that is, depending on the length of your separation, but also how the finances were managed during that separation period. So those are those monthly expenses. And there is a disclosure on the top of those schedules that lets people know that monthly expenses are calculated with 4.3 weeks being divided or counted, excuse me, as a month. And then the final few pages are a statement of assets and liabilities. The asset statement page includes not only your real estate holdings of any type, bank accounts, and then bank accounts are broken down into a separate section for retirement assets. There is a separate section for investment accounts. There is a section for life insurance. There's an other section where oftentimes people will include accounts that have been specifically set up for their children. Businesses are listed there or any interest in a business can be listed there. And then the second page of this disclosure called statement of liabilities is where you would put any debt that you have. Uh, outstanding mortgages for any real estate or any property, credit card debt is listed there, any loans, whether it's with regard to personal loans or loans related to a vehicle that perhaps you've been financing, um, if you've been loaned money from a bank, a family member, a coworker, a friend to be utilized for your expenses, whether it's your legal fees or otherwise, you would put that there if you owe any expert um, related to your litigation or you owe any money on taxes to either the state or the federal government, you would disclose all of that there. Now, oftentimes someone will come and say to me, I have a very little information about the questions being asked on this. I wasn't the person who managed our finances. I didn't pay the bills. I don't have access to the accounts. How am I going to complete this document? So if you've heard any of my other episodes, either in this series or uh, season or in season one, one of the things that I tell people is, you know, it's important to try to at least obtain a copy of your tax return, the most recent. That is important because if you're working with a good attorney, they should be able to read that return and glean from it a lot of information that would be helpful for the completion of this case information statement. But what people often do is disclose that this is an estimate or we put a disclosure that says information is subject to change pending the exchange of discovery. Discovery is another episode this season, so you'll have to tune in to hear more about that. But to sum it up, it's the exchange of information. And once that information is produced, then it will help clarify some of the questions on the case information statement. People often say, can I do this with my spouse? Can we work together? Again, I think that answer largely depends on how the case is being handled and what's gone on thus far. There is no automatic answer to that type of a question. 
again, any attorney that you're working with should have some understanding of the individual and then the marital or familial dynamics that are happening and can best advise you. In general, I like to tell people that it shouldn't be a joint project, that really you should work independently from your spouse to try to complete the information. Because if one spouse is really in control of that information, there is the chance that they can only provide information that they deem relevant or that they feel is helpful to them and may not be helpful to you. So there is some level of risk, for lack of a better word, that may be involved if a case information statement is completed jointly. There is another school of thought that says if parties are getting along well and there is a flow of access to information and there is trust, then completing it together can save time and money, which is a very valid point. But more often than not, when parties are divorcing, that relationship is non-existent at that point in time. Because a case information statement is something that is completed early on in the process. The courts require it within a certain deadline after all the pleadings have been filed, the formal documents that allow the court to know that you are requesting their assistance in getting a divorce. They're also, even if you're not using a formal litigation process, requested by attorneys and mediators and arbitrators early on, because in order to really have a true, accurate conversation about settlement or settlement proposals or settlement ideas, you need to have this documentation and information so that responses and proposals can be prepared. So it's not uncommon that somebody will make a proposal, somebody meaning a spouse who has access to the information or who may have con historically controlled the information to either verbally or through counsel make a settlement proposal and for the other person to bring that proposal, let's say to their attorney and say, what do you think? And, and, and a very fair and reasonable response on the attorney's part is to say, I can't really help you yet because I don't know if this is all there is. I haven't seen any documentation or otherwise that would tell me if this is reasonable. And what they really mean is, you know, as a starter, the exchange of this case information statement because of the sworn um, under oath part, which makes it believable. Sometimes there are additional documents that you might want to see that go with it. Maybe, you know, a recent account statement for any of the account or assets or liabilities that are listed on there, you know, just to kind of um, speed up the process so the numbers can be verified. Also not an unreasonable request. But certainly this is a document that's extremely important in order to have those conversations. They can be found on the New Jersey court website, a blank case information statement. I know that we provide them to our clients um, in a word format so that they can be edited and changed. You can type in your notes there. You can ask questions there. And the other thing that is important to note is that this is a living and breathing document, which means under the court rules that apply to everybody who is involving the court in a legal issue in family court, there is an obligation on both parties to update this document as reasonably necessary. So this is, this is likely, in some cases, not the only time you will complete the statement. The longer your divorce takes, 
you may have to update this document periodically. Now, periodically is hard to define as well because sometimes uh, an attorney will feel like once a year is appropriate if this is a case that's been going on that long. Sometimes something drastic will change um, in the course of people's lives, you know, financially, and they may need to update it in a month after they file it. Not usually, but it is a possibility. Um, perhaps six months is more appropriate, depending on, again, what's gone on from the first time the document was completed. So it's not unreasonable to have to do that. And it is certainly required that before you are going to have a trial, the court rules would request, and most judges put this in formal orders, that the case information statement be updated and refiled so that the court has the most current information. If you are filing any application, a motion, where you are requesting that a judge or a mediator or an arbitrator give you some sort of financial assistance, there is a requirement that a case information statement be filed along with it. So that is one reason why your attorney may want you to do that sooner rather than later. Also, post-divorce, it's important to keep this document because if at some point in the future, once your divorce is finalized, you have to either make or defend against a modification application, meaning that a spouse is looking to change the terms of either child support or alimony based on some circumstance, then the court rules require that not only an updated case information statement from the time that that application is filed, but also the one at the time of the divorce is produced in order to allow the court to fully assess the issues. So it's really important that you keep a copy of this document. And to go back to my initial comment about my tongue-in-cheek advice to clients to you know, pour themselves a glass of wine is because as an attorney and as a client who is paying for an attorney's services, you don't want a rush job, either party. We want you to take your time to try to work on this and to be really realistic and really thoughtful in the numbers that you are providing and thorough in the information that you are providing. And obviously there's tips and whatnot that we can give to clients on how they do that. But it's very important that you just take the time and go through it and make sure that you do the best job that you can. It's not something that you should rush through and just, just to get it done and hand it in and kind of move on with it, even if you're not a numbers person. And there are some clients who will work with an accountant or a financial advisor who may be more familiar with their finances to help them complete the document. Certainly um, your attorney or someone in their office, perhaps a paralegal, perhaps a, an associate can work with you to help explain the categories and give you, again, as I mentioned, tips on how to think about um, the questions being asked so that you are all encompassing in the information that you provide. But the case information statement is a really important tool in the divorce process and something that you must really pay attention to. It benefits um, not only your attorney and the court, but it certainly will benefit you in coming to a final resolution of the issues in your matter. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and I thank you again for joining me and I look forward to speaking with you again soon.